and hopefully they can be helped to yours as well. There are several books on prayer, and basically I've come to the realization that all of us need help in prayer, and none of us have arrived when it, when it comes to this matter of praying. We don't understand the goodness of God. We don't believe his word. Uh, there's many, many faults, and the works back there are from good men. I don't carry anything that beats us up, because I have read books on prayer that just beat you up, and you, uh, why even bother type deal? Every book back there is encouraging. It's designed to help you and I see exactly what the Bible says and take steps of faith in our prayer lives because of it. And so those are on the back table. Look with me in Colossians chapter 1, beginning in verse number uh, 9. Colossians 1, verse number 9. And if you don't have a Bible, look on with your neighbor. I know some of you have it digitally, and that's great. Uh, Make sure everyone has something to look at. And if you see a neighbor that doesn't have the Word of God, let them share yours with you, and that would be a help. And I say that for this reason. I don't want you to trust what I'm saying. I really don't. And that might sound really weird for a Baptist preacher to say that, but I want you to see exactly what the Word of God says. My words will, they'll hit these walls, and that's it. God's word is eternal and lives forever, and that's what will change our hearts and lives. Colossians 1, look with me in verse number 9. Colossians is a little New Testament book in case you're still trying to find it. Uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1 uh, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. I have to go through it in my own mind. And yes, I've known those for 30-something years, but I have to go through it in my own mind. So Colossians, right after Philippians, you'll find the little book of Colossians chapter 1. Look what it says in verse 9. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. And all God's people said, Amen. What a passage. You know, I have had a lot of people say to me, hey, friend, I'm praying for you, and I'm always appreciative. But wouldn't it be interesting to see, to know, have the Apostle Paul say, hey, I'm praying for you. Well, here we have it. Paul is praying for this church. He's never met this church. He's never been to this church from what we can tell. But he has vested interest in this church. He knows some people in this church. In fact, he'll say, hey, make sure this letter makes it over to the church a couple of miles away in Laodicea. Make sure you send it to them too because some of the same truth they need to hear as well. And he's praying for this church at Colossae. And you and I, through the revelation and the preservation of God's word, get to read what the Apostle Paul, under inspiration, was praying for this body of Christ 2,000 years ago. This is exciting. This isn't you and I just talking to this morning. This is God's word talking to us, eternally settled in heaven. Let's pray and ask God's help on our time this morning. Father, would we take what Paul was praying for 2,000 years ago, would our our lives be different, be challenged, be motivated because of what Paul was desiring and praying for this church, the struggling church at Colossae? I pray that the truth we see this morning would encourage, would challenge would convict, would clarify. You would change our hearts from within, and that's nothing I can do. Lord, we need you. I need you. 
pray that you'd help us this morning. And if there's some here this morning who have never placed their faith and trust in Christ, who maybe by they think because of coming to a church this morning, they've got some way to get to heaven. I pray that you'd show them the emptiness of religion and that you'd show them that Jesus Christ is the way, the only way, the only truth, and the only life. In Jesus' name, amen. Here we are in Colossians, and Paul is writing this letter to this church that had some problems. There was some error in Colossae. They thought that you had God the Father up here, and then you had a couple other uh, principalities and powers and kingdoms, and you had some unseen spirit realm, and then you had Jesus, and then you had us. Do you see the problem? Jesus was not fully God. Jesus was not equal with the Father in their thinking. Paul's writing, and he's writing in a spirit of love, because this is a serious doctrinal issue, and he's, he's going he's to go off here, and we'll see it. But this is a serious doctrinal issue that he's addressing here. But he's writing this in a spirit of love. He's writing this in a spirit of, hey, I want to help you. And he's praying for these people. And he even addresses his dear friend Epaphras, verse 7, as you also learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ. We don't know for sure, but perhaps Epaphras was a church planner who had started this work. And perhaps Epaphras had been in Paul's Bible school back in Ephesus when Paul was there for three years. We're not entirely sure of the entire details. Good men differ on exactly where to place this. But Paul, from what we can read, has never been to Colossae. He's got vested interest there. He knows people that are there. And he's giving this letter under inspiration saying, hey, this is what I'm praying for you. Look what he said in verse number 9 again. For this cause, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire, first of all, that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Paul began his prayer by saying, first of all, I've been praying that you'll be filled, friends, that you'll be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual understanding, in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Paul was praying for God's people, number one, that they might have the right focus, that they might be filled with the knowledge of God's will. Do you know that God has a plan for every one of your lives? Sometimes God's people think that Christianity is like cookie cutters. You make Christmas, you ever make Christmas, well, guys don't eat them. Ladies, do you ever make Christmas cookies? Yeah, you get the little, my mom did, she's in heaven now, but I, I think we still have, some of my daughters have some of her cookie cutter things. Chunk, 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 chunk. You stick them in the oven, they get golden brown, and you're frosting them up. Oh, yeah, all that stuff. I, I, I like the cookies. Can you tell? Maybe I'm causing some of you to, your mouth to water, and you're, now your brain's gone here. But sometimes God's people think that Christianity is just about cookie cutters. You all act the same, look the same, be the same, you all do the same. So we're all just the same. You kind of lose your identity when you become a Christian. No, none at all. David said, that will show me the path of life. God has a plan for every single one of us, and you and I have the ability through knowing God's word to know that plan. And Paul was praying for this church at Colossae that they individually, not just the church, yes, God has a plan for his church, each individual body of Christ, but he was praying that each individual person would know the will of God for their life. So the question for you this morning, friend, do you know God's will for your life? God has a will. It starts with you knowing him. God wants you to know him, and he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. In the beginning, God's will for you and I is that, number one, we know him, and we know who we are. We're sinners. My parents helped me with that. 
They gave me a lot of reminders as a kid. Reminders. <laughs> Praise the Lord for biblical parents who don't abuse. Abuse is wrong. But who give biblical reminders to their young people. Praise the Lord for my mom and dad who helped me, remind me consistently. And I knew very early on, I'm a sinner. You know how I knew that? Because my parents reminded me consistently of my disobedience, my insolence, my pride, my rebellion at the age of two. They reminded me. Oh, they're so cute. Yeah, they're sinners. All of us are. Knowing God's will starts with knowing who we are. I'm a sinner. Secondly, it starts with knowing who God is. He's holy. He's righteous. He's perfect. And his abode, his heaven, can't have anything that defiles. That's a problem. Because I'm one of those. And you're one of those. And all of us are one of those people that have sinned. Oh, we may not be like the people we read in the newspaper. But all of us have broken God's law. We've said things, done things, thought things that are against God. And God's will says, hey, you can't be in my heaven as you are. But great news, God's will also provided a way of escape. It's through Jesus Christ, the righteous. It's not my righteousness. It's not your righteousness. And it's not our righteousness collectively together. You still add all that up and there's still a deficiency. It's Christ's perfect righteousness. He who knew no sin became sin for you and I. And God's will is that you and I place our faith, our trust, our dependence upon Christ alone for salvation. Not yourself, not me, not you. Not, oh, I'm, Brent, I'm a pretty good person. You may be, but you're not as good as Jesus, and you don't have the righteousness required to get to heaven. Well, Brent, I, I've been a Christian all my life. Friend, I don't want to argue with you. You haven't. Peter tells us very clearly in 1 Peter 2 that we have to have a time where we had not obtained mercy, but now we have obtained mercy. There must be a distinct time in our life where we place our faith, our dependence, our trust. And God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. What does that repentance mean? It means that we stop trusting whatever it is we're trusting in. We, we stop trusting our, our good works or our church membership or our baptism or our catechism or whatever ism you want to throw in there. And we reject that. We place our faith, our trust, our dependence in Christ alone for salvation. That's what the God's will is for your life. That's what Paul preached. He said in Acts 20, he preached repentance and faith. In Acts 17, he calls all men, God calls all men to repentance. Has there been a point in time in your life, friend, when you've rejected your good works, your religion, your church membership, your baptism, your whatever, and you place your faith, trust solely in Christ alone? In some senses, you've got to declare bankruptcy. You can't bring anything to the table. Well, I, I'm trusting Christ's goodness, and I'm pretty good myself. No, that's not how salvation works at all. Well, I'm trusting Christ's goodness, and I'm a religious person. I've been baptized. No, 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 you declare bankruptcy. I'm a Southerner. We'd say it like this. I ain't got nothing. And that's what it is. Jesus has everything. It's not I. It's Christ, and I'm trusting him alone. And friend, God's will to begin with for you is that you reject your good works, your religion, your church membership, your righteousness, and that you place your faith, your trust, your dependence on Christ alone. Has there been a time when you did that? Well, Brent, I, I made a decision as a kid. I was religious. I got, I'm not asking if you got baptized. I'm not asking if you've been a member of a church. I'm not asking if you're a good person. We hopefully all are good people. 
Hopefully you're not murdering people and being nasty. I hope so. But it's not about you and me. It's about what Christ did. Has there been a time when you rejected yourself and placed Christ alone as what is the reason for going to heaven? You and I must do that. And that's God's will. And Paul was praying here. Look back at verse 9. He's praying that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will. Look again what it says there in Colossians 1.9. Filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Now, that word filled there, when you hear the term filled, if you're going over to the soda machine and the, the quick stop and the, and the gas station, are you going to fill that 32-ounce cup with like an ounce or two of liquid? No, I'm speaking some of our poison here, ain't I? You're going to fill that thing. And you're going to wait for the fizz to go back down. You're going to fill it up again, right? Yeah. And you're going to keep filling and pressing that button, and it's going to overflow just a little bit, and you're going to get the lid, and it's going to bubble up through the lid when you put the straw in, right? Because you want to be filled with it. Sometimes we think, oh, yeah, yeah, God's got a will for my life. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's nice. And we go on our merry way. Have you ever been uh, somewhere and maybe doing something the next day? Maybe you're going to go, to go out of town. Maybe there was something big happening. Maybe it was vacation that you're going to go on. Maybe it's something exciting. You're going to see people do something. And you couldn't sleep that night. You couldn't sleep the night before. How many have ever been there where you just couldn't sleep the night before because something was going to take place the next day? And you could only think about it. You're mulling it around your mind. You're excited. Maybe you're nervous. Maybe you're scared. Whatever the case is. But that is controlling your thinking. You could say in some senses that is filling your thoughts, isn't it? God wants you and I to be filled with the knowledge of his will. God wants you and I not just to have this passive, oh, yeah, yeah, God's got a will for my life. Yeah, the youth conferences, they talk about God's will for your life. And I know our teenagers, they need to know God's will for our life. Yeah, yeah, God's got a... No, no, no. God wants you and I at every age, at every stage, at every category of faith in this room to be filled with the knowledge of his will. Not just to have this passive, oh, yeah, yeah. No, no, this is God's will for my life. God has a plan for me. It involves this and this and this and this. And notice what it says there. In all wisdom and spiritual understanding. It means taking practical knowledge, practical wisdom of what God has gifted me with and knowing this is God's will for my life. I can tell you of a certainty that God's will for my life is not to make anybody in here meal. I can tell you that for certain. And if you ever tasted my cooking, you would know for certain. (laughs) Yeah. I'll buy you a gift card to Chick-fil-A. Do you have Chick-fil-A's out here? Oh, I'll pray for you. <laughs> no, just kidding. Chick-fil-A, is that probably down in Omaha or something? Or We know where Chick-fil-A is. Denver? Cheyenne? Okay. I'll pray for you. I'll, I'll buy you a gift card to, you pick the restaurant. It's, I know it's second class under chick But anyway, you pick the restaurant. I'm not going to make something for you. But God has something specific for every single one of us. Taking our gifts our talents, our skill sets, our drives, our desires, our passions. And as we submit those to God, as we walk with him, Romans 12, 2 says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind through the word of God will transform. That ye may know, that ye may prove, that ye may understand was that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. As you and I get out of the world and into the word, we can know and be filled with the knowledge of God's word. Now, let's stop here and look at this word. We have an incredible Bible here that gives us word in the tenses that they're supposed to be in. The word filled. I, how many of you, just stop right here. How many of you enjoyed English in school? Yeah, yeah. Some of you are like, yeah, okay, yeah. How many of you were glad when you threw away the English books 
Yeah, 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 yeah. A little bit more excitement on that second question. Okay, there's this thing called voice. Passive voice, active voice. Is that ringing a bell for some people? Okay, passive voice, the action is being done to the object. Like I drove the van, the van was being driven. Active voice, I'm doing the the action. I'm driving the van. Okay, now look, keep that in mind. Look down at your Bibles. Look at filled. What is filled? Is it passive or active? I'll give you a hint. It's not active. What is filled? Is it passive or active? It's passive. So who's doing the filling here? God is. Here's the great truth. As you and I get away from the world and get into the word, God himself fills us with the knowledge of his will. Young people especially, but all of, uh, not so young people, listen up. You want to know God's will? Yeah, I want to know God's will. Get into the word. And as you and I get into the word, when I got into the word as a teenage young man, and I got out of the world, and I started consistently reading and biping the word of God, you know what happened? I knew what God wanted me to do. It wasn't this mystery, oh, how do I know God's will for my life? Well, get off of Instagram, get off of TikTok, get off of Twitter, get into the Word, and you and I will know the will of God for our life. You know, I, I opened up a college catalog. It's pretty easy. My parents said, this is the college you're going to. Okay, you can choose what you study, but this is the college you're going to. So I opened up the college catalog, and I began to look, and there was this major they had. Man, I want to study that. I don't, look at the practicum, and that, and that, and that. Yeah, this is exciting. And some people say, oh, you had to go and do that, do that Bible college thing. No, that's what I wanted to do. I did, and I'm doing today what I want to do because I'm following God. And, you know, when I get out of the will of God, for whether it be for a couple of days or a couple of hours, I kind of squander those times away. I'm not filled with the will of God. That's a waste of time. When I'm filled with God's will, it gives clarity of thought. It gives me direction, knowing this is God's plan. This is God's passion. This is who I am. This is the gifting and skills that God has given me. This is who I am. And happy the man who knows who he is. Happy the man who knows who he's not. And so I can say yes to this, no to this, no to this, no to this, yes to this, because this is who God has. This is what God has for me. And God desires that you and I be filled with the knowledge of his will. What do you think about when you lay down at night? Sometimes it's not much of anything. The eyes close and you're gone. But sometimes we sit there in our chairs and we're thinking. What are you thinking about? How does God want to use you? What does God have for your life? It's bigger than the next purchase. It's bigger than the newest phone. It's bigger than all what this world is throwing at us. God has an eternally settled will for you and I. And he wants to use us. And Paul was praying for this church at Colossae. He's praying for these individuals. He's praying that, number one, you might be filled with the knowledge of his will. Filled. That's God filling you and I, knowing this is what God's called us to do. Secondly, look at verse 10. That ye might walk worthy of the Lord and do all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So he's praying that, number one, you'll be filled. Now, who's doing the filling? Is that passive or active? It's passive. Who's doing the filling? God's doing the filling. So God's filling us. Now notice the tense of verse 10. Or the voice, excuse me, the voice of verse 10. That ye might walk worthy. Who's doing the walking now? We are. God wants you and I now to walk. If you and I know and are filled with God's will, you know what the natural outcome is going to be? Doing what God's called us to do. 
Sometimes, I got to be honest, sometimes even in ministry, we try to push people to do, 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 do. Yet when in reality, they, they don't do because they kind of don't know what they're supposed to do. What we should be doing is helping them be filled and praying that they'll be filled, 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 and God's doing the filling. And then when they're filled, what natural outcome, what's the natural outcome of that? Doing. If you're filled and you know what God wants for my life, you're naturally going to want to do it. You're going to want to be active serving what God has for you, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. And notice what it says there in verse 10, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. You know, sometimes we're busy. We're just busy, 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 busy. Even in ministry, as a minister, I'm busy, 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 busy. Okay, but stop. Hold on. Question. Are you fruitful? Are you fruitful in what God's called you to do? Because we can be busy. We're busy. We're all busy. We're slammed in many cases. Oh, man, I got this at work and this and this. I'm looking at this and this is busy. And It's busy. But are you fruitful? You can spin your wheels for your whole life and not be fruitful. And here's what I found personally. When I know God's will and I actively do it, he passively fills me. I actively do his will. You know what happens? I'm fruitful. It's not me trying to manufacture it. It's him. It's me doing his will and being fruitful because he's called me to do it. He's filled me with the knowledge of his will. Notice what else it says there. That you might walk worthy in the Lord and all, unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Do you want to know God better? I do. Theology is not something you learn. Well, we're going to have a class at church and... Once you go through this class at church, you will know God. It's not a check mark. It's not something we get. Well, yeah, a pastor taught a class on that, and I now I know God. No. Theology is not something we learn in a Bible college classroom even. We know God better every day that we're walking with him. That's what it means. Paul's saying, no, 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 you just don't know God from this classroom knowledge. It just has to be this experiential knowledge of knowing God and walking with him every day, day by day. And as we are doing God's will, as we're actively walking, serving him, being fruitful, we are increasing in the knowledge of God. We're increasing in our theology. Yes, I took theology classes in Bible course, and I passed the test. I I memorized the terms. I memorized the verses. But that's not knowing God. We can all recite terms, perhaps, maybe some better than others. And as we the older I get, the less I'm able to memorize things. But that's not what it means. It means knowing God better as we're walking with him. So we see the right focus that's filled. We see the right actions, walking worthy. And that's the active voice. Now, look with me at verse 11 now. Look what it says here. Everyone got a Bible? Look down at verse 11. I want you to see what God says, not my words. Look at verse 11. Strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness. So, let's review. Okay. What's the first one we saw there in verse number, uh, verse number nine? Filled. Is that passive or active? Passive. God fills you. What do we do next? We walk worthy. Who does that? We do. That's active. So what voice is strengthened? Somebody was bold enough to say it. Passive. Thank you. Passive. We've got this all wrong. There's this whole marketing genre in our Christian bookstores about you strengthening yourselves. 
And in fact, you go and you turn on religious television. I don't watch scary movies. If I want to be scared, I watch religious television. Because <laughs> there's some pretty scary stuff out there. And you turn on religious television, you'll hear things such as, you just get, need to get rid of your negative friends and influences, and you can have your best life now. And, and you hear things like that consistently. Any th- person that may have sounded like that in times past is purely coincidental. <laughs> yeah. But there's this whole marketing of, you just need to pick yourself up, and you need to, you need to strengthen yourself. I haven't found, in fact, I found the opposite. So what voice did we say strengthened was in verse number 11? Who's doing the strengthening? God is. So make sure we get it. Make sure we got this. Paul says, I've been praying that you'll be filled. So God's filling you and I with the knowledge of his will. As we're in the word, as we're dwelling, that's where it begins. Did you catch that? You and I have got to be in the word. As we're in the word, God is he's filling us with the knowledge of his will. What happens? We begin to walk worthy unto all pleasing, fruitful, and every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So we're doing what God's called us to do. What does God do now? He strengthens. And I can say, I can testify, there's been many times in ministry and life and family that I've been to the end of myself. And I said, I, I can't do this. Hopefully I'll be able to do it again, but for the past several years, I've been able to take basketball teams to the Philippines. I haven't been able to do it for the past three years. I would love to say I could do it this next spring, but Philippines still isn't open as much as I'd like. But I've been able to take basketball teams to the Philippines. I enjoy basketball. I'm 6'4", the average Filipino is 4'6", or thereabouts. (laughs) It's a great ministry. It's basically using basketball to connect with Philippines and help churches, independent fundamental Bible preaching churches in the Philippines, help them connect with their young men in their ministry, in their area. Well, I've, I've come to realize that, man, I'm not as young as I once was. Playing basketball for four, five, six hours a day in 99-degree heat, 100% humidity, and then preaching at night, leading a team, walk, helping guys and keeping guys, teenage young men. Most of them stay. I haven't had too many problems, but keeping things out and keeping things straight and then leading a team. Three, four days of that, I am gassed. I am, I, I am dragging for good reason. I'm just like, Bleh. I've seen God strengthen me to do something beyond my physical ability. I've seen God do that in, in the education realm, something I couldn't do, something and in camps, preaching camps. This past summer, I was in five, six different camps. I spoke 60 something times over the course of two months. By August, I'm like, Bleh. but I know, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is what God's called me to do. I'm filled with the knowledge as well. I'm doing what God's called me to do. You know what he does? He strengthens you and I. Strengthened. Notice what tense that, that, that voice is. It's strengthened. It's passive. It's not you and I. It's passively. God is strengthening you and I. Look what it says there. With all might, according to his glorious power. How much power does God have? All of it. Yeah. Absolutely. All of it. What kind of power did he what kind of power did he do to his son Jesus? He raised him from the dead. That kind of resurrection power is what God strengthens you and I with to do something impossible. And it may not be in the ministry, technical, quote unquote ministry, but parenting. It's long. It's tedious. And we want to check out, we want to give up, we want to No, 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 wait a minute. God's called. And I have a vision for my children that they'll walk with God, they'll be successful, they'll be faithful to God in the ministry. Grandparenting. 
not quite as tedious, but it's now prayer. It's now, it's now agonizing in prayer for this young person who's maybe perhaps struggling. Perhaps it is in your life work, what God's called you to do, and you just say, oh, I don't think I can keep going. I, I can't keep going. Maybe perhaps it's in persecution. Hebrews talks about that. Men and women who are just kind of their hands are hanging down in Hebrews 12. Their, their knees are feeble, and they just can't keep going. I can't. I can't. Hey, wait a minute. Has God called? Yes. Are you walking? Yes. What does God do? He strengthens us with his might. Wow. You mean this whole Christian life is not me doing it? No. There's only one person who ever lived the Christian life perfectly. Jesus. You know what? It's amazing truth. Paul said in Galatians 2.20, it's not I. It's Christ living in me. You can't live the Christian life. Oh, Brad, I came to church to be encouraged. We'll let that sink in again. You can't live the Christian life. But Christ can through you. He strengthens you and I. God strengthens you and me. Wow. That's victory. Mom, dad, God gives you and I strength to train those youngins. (sighs) He gives us strength. He gives us strength and passion and wisdom to help the teenagers. Yeah. But he gives us strength to live our whole life. You can't do it. God can through you. And notice again what it says in verse 11. Strengthen with all might according to his glorious power and to all patience and longsuffering. So what is the saying? This is saying that when God calls us to something, sometimes he knows, he always knows the end from the, from the beginning, but he knows that he's strengthening us to endure hardship. We like to, to go the easy route, don't we? We like to take the shortcut. We like to press the easy button and get out. But God gives us strength to do his will, and sometimes God's will is hard. Sometimes God's will is challenging. And some of you know this. You can testify to this. You've, you've faced issues in your family that you know God has called you to because he's placed that individual in your family. And there's no end in sight. It is a lifetime of challenge, perhaps, because you're dealing with an individual. You're dealing with a situation. You're dealing with a need, a physical difficulty, or whatever the case is. God strengthens you. And he calls you, and he says, you can do it. And he gives you, what does it say there in verse 11? He gives you patience and long-suffering. We like to think, oh, God's going to strengthen me. I'm going to get through this, and hey, we're going to get out of this. No, sometimes he gives us strengthening to endure, to stay under. That's what long-suffering and patience has, the idea of staying under the load. We like to get out from under the load, but isn't it good to stay under the load? We want our military, our men that defend us, we want them to stay under the load, don't we? We want those 18, 19-year-old Marines to go through boot camp and to come to the end of themselves and realize, oh, wow, because what happens? They get together as a cohesive force, and that's necessary. We want our, our men and our women to go through college if they need that specific degree and to go through that accounting class. That Ah, man, we want our pastors to learn to train. We want them to stay under that load, don't we? But sometimes we, we, take a, we get personally, oh, I don't want to stay under the load. No, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. Don't you remember what James says, that the trial of your faith worketh patience? And patience is incredibly, Peter says that patience is more valuable than gold. God's doing something in our heart and life. And he strengthens us to stay under the load that he's put us under. God, you've called me to do this. You've called me to study this. You've called me to go there. You've called me to prepare here. You've called me to this parenthood thing. 
Ah, I can't do this. You're right, you can't, but he has strengthened you with all might. And so you and I walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful. And he strengthens us with all might, according to his glorious power, verse 11, with unto all patience and long-suffering. And notice that last phrase in verse 11. What does it say? With joyfulness. And I got to be honest. Oftentimes, when I go through difficulties and challenges and issues, okay, God's going to strengthen me. Grin and bear it. Here we go. Let's. Uh, uh, quiet, kids. I'm bearing this. Okay, okay. Okay, we're, we're, okay, church, get in line, church. Come on. Come on, people. Okay, we're, we're bearing. We're doing this thing for God. Okay. Okay, we got out of there. Yeah. Ha. Oh, man, we got problems now. What does God allow us to do? To endure the hardships of life with what? Joyfulness. Joyfulness is not this happy, 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 hey, stupidity. No, joyfulness is the settled realization that God's in control. No matter what the outcome, no matter what the outside, there's a peace in my heart that the world cannot give. And it can't take away either. Jesus is there. Joy comes from the presence of God. As one old preacher used to say, joy is an inside job. It comes from God himself. No matter what you're facing, sometimes we face the difficulties and we face it with grin and bear. How you doing? Oh, horrible. God's called me to do this and this and this. And I'm, I'm, man. No, 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 no. Did you catch the verse? Strength with all might. With what? Under patience and long suffering. With what? Joyfulness. God's doing something. God's working. And God's using the difficulties I'm facing in my life for his glory. Let me ask you a question. How many of you ever tried to housebreak a dog? I know I was talking to the verses yesterday. And Why did you do that? Yeah. Yeah, you don't want that beast destroying your house, right? So is it enjoyable for that little puppy to go through that? Probably not. Well, question for you. Whose house are we going to live in for all of eternity? So what is he doing right now? He's housebreaking us. What is he using? The challenges. I know that makes us the dog in the analogy. But that's actually giving us something, isn't it? Because Isaiah says we're grasshoppers. So what is he doing? He's using the difficulties in our life to challenge, to grow, to shape, to change. So he can use us. Not just now for service, but for all of eternity. We're going to serve him in heaven. Have you read that passage of Revelation? I don't know how exactly, but you and I are going to serve him, serve him in heaven. And God's using this life. So, friend, don't, don't push off the difficulties. Don't say, I can't do this. Don't, don't throw in the towel. No, no, He is strengthening you. And as, as you and I know the will of God, as we walk and do what God's called us to, he strengthens us. That's passive. He's the one that strengthens us. Finally, look at verse 12, and we're finished. Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. So what voice is verse number 12 in? Okay, let's review. Verse 9, filled is what? Passive. Verse number 10, walk is what? Active. That's you and I. Verse 11 is what? Passive. Verse number 12 is what? Active. So here's what's left for you and I to do. Get the picture. Paul says, God fills you, you walk. God strengthens you as you walk because it's difficult. And here's what we do. 
Praise Jesus. That's what's left. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And you want to see the marks of a spiritual person? person who's thankful. We look down at those who murmur and complain, but you look in Romans 1. What happened? Where did the downgrade begin? Where did the slide? Neither were thankful, but God gave them over. And the it's a mess. Thankfulness is so critical in our lives. And we so often, oh, yeah, I'm having a bad day. What can I be thankful for today? No, no, no. What can you? Wait a minute. What can we be thankful? We're not going to hell. That's incredible. If you are a blood-bought child of God, then hey, this is incredible. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Verse 13, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. That word translated has the idea of moving you from the wrong neighborhood to the right. Friends, we were on the wrong side of the tracks. We were on the tracks going the wrong direction. And now, through the grace of Jesus Christ, we are heirs of heaven. We are sons. We are royalty. We've been adopted. One day, this vile flesh will put on new flesh. This is exciting. This is, this is incredible. And what should our response be? Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for making me whole. In fact, Paul kind of loses himself here in the next few verses. He begins to talk about who Jesus is. He says in verse 14, In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Jesus is the Redeemer. Who is the image of the invisible God, verse 15, the firstborn of every creature. Jesus is the Revealer. Verse number 16, For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether it be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. He's the Creator. No, Jesus is not lower on the totem pole. Jesus is the creator. Verse number 17, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. He's the sustainer. Verse number 18, and he is the head of the body, the church who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. He is the administrator of the church. Verse number 20, and having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things in himself, by him I say whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. He's the reconciler. Verse 21, and you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight he's the presenter i know i'm flying through this i miss verse 19 i don't have a good word for it to keep it alliterated like this i don't live believe in alliteration heavily but verse 19 for it pleased the father that in him should all fullness dwell he's the fullnesser he's jesus he's everything we need He's not this lower entity. No, it's Jesus. And he's the one that you and I should know intimately, that you and I should be praising, that you and I should be thanking God for the ministry and work of Jesus, the personal work of Jesus. Wow, that's why we're here this morning. That's why we get to come to church. That's why we get to praise our hands. And that's why we can go through the storm, as the little kid song says, with a smile on our face. Because we know who's in our boat with us. It's Jesus. And that's why we have a will. God has a will for our life. Because Jesus did raise from the dead. He did prove that everything is God is, that God said is true. Hey, this is exciting. And Paul was praying that these people would be filled with the knowledge of his will. That because of their filling, of God filling them, that they would walk worthy, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. And that while they were walking, they would sense and know the strengthening hand of God. To endure the challenges with all patience and long-suffering, but doing it all at the same time with joyfulness, a settled peace that God's doing this. God's working in my heart and my life. God's changing me. It's not fun. It's not easy. But I know God's using this. 
And you know what we do at the end? Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for making me whole. Thank you, Lord, for giving to me thy great salvation, so rich and free. Paul's prayer is powerful. Friends, you and I need it. But maybe you're here and you've never placed your faith and trust in Christ. You may be a good person. You're obviously somewhat religious because you're here. But that's not what it's about. There must come a point in time in every one of our lives where we reject our good works. And we place our faith, our dependence, our trust in Jesus alone. Have you done that? If not, this morning's a great day to do it. I'm not asking you this morning to join the church. I'm not asking you to try to try harder because you can't. I'm not asking you to get baptized. No, 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 wait, just wait. What I'm asking you is what the Bible says. You must be born again. Place your trust, your faith, your dependence in Christ alone. Let's all bow our head and close our eyes. I'm going to ask a few questions and I'm